welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valley Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, welcome back to this week's episode. Um, we are excited to have a very special guest with us. So Katie, we have Miss Katie Pink with us, and I will let Katie give an introduction um, to herself. And thanks for joining us, Katie. Yeah. It's actually pinky, like the finger. Oh, pinky. I'm glad you, I'm glad you corrected me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, for those of us that have taken our husband's last name, I, I think it's like the worst last name, but nobody ever forgets you when your last name is pinky, but <laughs> I did it. I did it 15 years ago and, and here I am Katie pinky. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Katie pinky. Yeah, there you go. I am, I'm here in Eastern North Dakota and um, it's really fun to join you. I don't get to be on this end of content creation very often anymore. So I'm just excited to visit with you both. Well, we're excited to, um, talk with you as well. And, um, we kind of came across you through ag week. So would you want to maybe just dive into what ag week is, what you provide for ag week, and we can kind of go from there. Yeah. Egg Week was, I, I've worked in many sectors of agriculture, but Egg Week came to me first. I was a columnist. And so for those not in the upper Midwest U.S., Egg Week has been a weekly print publication for decades, 36 years. And farmers and ranchers across this region, North Dakota, South Dakota, Eastern Montana, Minnesota, have received Egg Week in their mailbox every Monday. And I was asked to write a column and it just really wasn't something in my wheelhouse. I was doing consulting at the time. I had worked in state government. I had worked for an agriculture advertising agency. I was in my blogging phase and blogging years of my life. And so I was asked to write a weekly column for Ag Week in 2015. And I started doing that and just got to be a, a female rural voice. And they specifically asked me to not always talk about agriculture. I started that. And then it is owned, Egg Week is owned by Form Communications, which is a family-owned media company. Very rare in this day and age to have a family-owned media company anymore. Form Communications. So Egg Week is the only agriculture brand and sector of their business. And I was asked in 2016 if I would consider being the publisher of Egg Week. For those that have worked in journalism, I, I didn't even know what a publisher did. And so I had a few interviews, a few meetings, and Honestly, for those with young kids and families and juggling, my husband and I own two small businesses together, family businesses that he, his family has been a part of. I just couldn't see how I could go back to work full time for another company at that point. But my husband really encouraged me to take the leap and do it. And I've had the flexibility of working from rural North Dakota full time for Ag Week since 2016. I've been the publisher and general manager and we have Egg Week, which is our weekly publication, still print publication. And then we have Egg Week TV, which is our weekly broadcast show, again, across the upper Midwest. It airs about 17 times across different affiliates every weekend at North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and then on eggweek.com. And eggweek.com is our, is our digital hub updated every day with breaking news and we have a team of agriculture journalists, more, more agriculture journalists than I know of with a lot of other media brands. So we have seven full-time agriculture journalists and then other people like our, our editor, Jenny Schlecht, and other people with a sales team, uh, digital team, extensive. So Egg Week is my 
full-time. I always call it my day job. It's my W-2 job because I also have other because <laughs> I, I also own two businesses with my husband and do other things. <laughs> a lot of us do. So, <laughs> Well, it sounds like you have plenty to keep you busy. Um, is there a central mission for Ag Week that Ag Week tries to accomplish every week or... Yeah, Ag Week is, we are always working to be the sought after news, agriculture news of the upper Midwest. And we just really feel there are agriculture stories that will go unreported if we're not reporting them. And agriculture journalism is just so important to us. It's it's our livelihood. And it's we're not just repurposing press releases. We're actually going out and, and doing enterprise news. And that's really important to us. We have a combined 225 plus years of agriculture journalism experience on our team. So I work with people in their early career all the way into the into the twilight final years of their career. So I get to work with journalists that have 40 plus years of experience or have one or two. And it's really fun. And, and that mission is, is really to bring voice to agriculture news and make sure we're reporting the business of farmers and ranchers. And I would say that comes to a na- national and policy international level as well. Even though we're rooted in the upper Midwest US, we certainly, we cover national and markets and policy as well. So how do you, you mentioned, you know, going out and not getting the main street, you know, ag news that we see, you know, in the local paper, even on Fox News, CNN, those big um news how do you find those those news articles because it takes some stomping around and figuring out what's going on right we have a really dedicated agriculture news team i have to give credit to to the editorial team as publisher i i go back and forth between both both sides of the business and that's unique to my position so i'm on the business side on the sales side the revenue side the budget side and then i also get to hop over uh, to the editorial side and that's where I started on the content side, which is unique. And actually, right after I do this time with you, I'm going to be on our editorial planning call. And it really comes down to being in touch with farmers and ranchers and just having a pulse on the community and the region that we're, we're in. We serve farmers in ultimately about a five to six state area. And we have to stay very connected with the agriculture organizations and policymakers as well. But it comes down to stellar reporters. And I really believe in the mission of agriculture journalism and media of what we're doing. And I think that we're such a small minority of the population that if we don't have ag journalists in rural America telling the story of agriculture, unfortunately, those stories aren't told. No, it's so refreshing, at least from, you know, I'm in rural Southern Idaho right now, but just to have, have somebody or a platform that's trying to find those true stories going on in rural America, because especially nowadays it gets steamrolled pretty quickly in, in mainstream media and everything else. What have been, I guess, do you still write for Ag Week? I do. You know, I, I'm on the TV side as well. I, as publisher and general manager, when I came on in 2016, I thought maybe I wouldn't write my weekly column anymore. And writing a 
an opinion piece every week is it's in my wheelhouse. I can do it. It's definitely soft featurey. It's fun and I enjoy it. And I, I continued that. And so I've continued 52 times a year. I've taken a couple breaks here and there, uh, but I have continued to write my column. And then a few years ago, I was asked if I would do a couple TV stories. So here and there, over the last uh, few months, I've followed a farmer. We have another reporter doing that. I've stayed in touch with a local farmer in my area of East Central North Dakota. And our TV producer comes out and shoots a segment. I just did that this week in between some rain, which we really need. <laughs> <laughs> we are in corn harvest here in Eastern North Dakota. And so I followed that, followed that farmer. So I... I do still do that. And that that's unique that I, I get to do that uh, just because a lot of people are in my just on the business side of things. And, and so I just, I think it's good that, to stay in touch with the customers. And then I also, you know, or with the readers and the viewers. And then I also stay in touch with the customers on the, on the client side as well. But I am from a farm. I should say that. I mean, I'm from a farm and my parents farm 26 miles away from where I live. So I am definitely, my cousins are in that area. I definitely have a lot of my uncle raises cattle, definitely plugged into my own family's agriculture, but staying in touch with different types of farmers and ranchers on the content side is important to me. And then I'm also in touch with the agri client side as well. Do you have a favorite topic to cover in your columns or they just run the gamut? Well, uh, most people that follow me on social media know this, but my, our, our son was in a skiing accident in uh, December of 2019. And so I feel that uh, people have followed me personally. I've, I started blogging in 2007 and, and then I blogged for 10 years. And so people have a personal connection to me from me being extremely transparent through our personal family life. Um, so I do give voice to our family, but I'm protective of that. My girls are 12 and 13. I always say they're kind of born on the internet, but I, so obviously I can always say that talking about being a working mom, juggling family life and rural life is probably a topic that I tend to cover whether people are interested or interested in or not, but probably my favorite topic is just featuring businesses. I just think that there are so many unique rural agriculture-based businesses and really dynamic young people in rural America that just never have voice or have a way to connect maybe their idea or their story. So if I can do that, I just, I just wrote a column about a market, uh, Highway 15 market. It just was a recent column. And I, I try to get out and find a new small business to feature once a month. And then I think with the pandemic too, it's been interesting to talk to young ag business or just rural business owners on what, what's changed with their business and, and how they've really come through a lot of change and, and dynamics over the last two years. So, so probably my family is what I talk about the most, whether people want to hear it or not. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely agribusiness owners and, and small business. Have you seen a trend since covering the small ag businesses um, through COVID between them and how they've persevered or um, had specific struggles that they've had to endure over the last couple couple years? Absolutely. First of all, I have great empathy. My husband is a second generation small town lumberyard owner and home building 
um, business owner and I, I am co-owner with him, although we say I'm a, I'm a silent partner most days, but I, I tend to, I tend to be a moonlighter on, on marketing for those businesses. And so I do definitely understand the financials and the small business side in a town of a thousand people, what that looks like. And I think that there's a deep tenacity for a small business owner to have overcome just the supply issues. And that is relevant to agriculture, but that is relevant to any business. And so urban entities might have more coverage of that, but I think Unfortunately, it's really easy for everybody to just buy everything off the internet now and everybody, everything can be found on an app, but our bricks and mortar storefronts in rural America are still there. And I think they've had to adapt. And I I think we always adapt, but the adaptability of how our small businesses and ag businesses have adapted through the pandemic is, is an important story. So something that's near and dear to our hearts, if we pivot here just a little bit, um, is mental health. We've both got mental health stories and we've featured um, quite a few mental health stories. And you've been a really huge advocate for mental health in rural and agricultural communities. Um, I guess, first off, why is this important to you? And why is this important as as a whole topic for, for those communities? I actually just wrote a column about this that we'll publish and you can find it on agweek.com. And I, I think that rural areas have a few more barriers when it comes to the mental health conversation than if I was living in an urban center. And that is number one is just accessibility and mental health impacts my family. Uh, we have mental health, um, barriers in our family and we we have suffered uh, through mental health challenges and mental illness. And so I personally am impacted by that. And I think all of us are lying to ourselves if we think that we're not impacted by mental health and mental illness, because if it's not ourselves, it's somebody that we know and love. So first of all, I think we just need to pull the wool off over our eyes and we're all impacted by mental health. So I think mental health is equal to our physical health. And unfortunately, we've been taught to be pretty tight-lipped in farm country and just not talk about it. So first, we just have more barriers in rural and agriculture areas. Accessibility is one that I have to take paid time off to drive a long ways if I wanna go see an in-person mental health provider. And telemedicine, I think, has made that maybe more accessible in the pandemic, but it the there's just not enough mental health experts. And so I think we have to talk about it. And I think we need to not pretend that every everybody's okay and we're all fine. That's the way that maybe our rural culture is, that we just don't talk about it. And we suffer in silence. And I think we can see the results of that have not been good for us. Well, and even the options, you know, in, in metropolitan areas, if you're not getting along with your mental health provider, it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to go shopping. But in these rural communities, you might have, you're lucky to have one. So if you don't get along with them, sorry. Right. right. I, I would just tell you that there's just not, for, 
I have compassion for those that are providing to the mental health industry as a whole as, as a service. And I think it also spills over into our schools. I have school-aged children and sixth and eighth grade. And so I think that counselors and teachers and in school administration, I think clergy and churches, and there are just a lot of people that become part of caring for people with mental health struggles. Um, it's not just going to your, to your local clinic, but I, I, yes, it's just, it's such an accessibility issue. Um, and also just the, the access is, is so limited and we have, um, I guess just, you're right, few options and I don't have a solution for it and I'm not an expert. I just know that having a trusted person that you can talk to about it is a starting place and making sure that we're not staying silent. That's a really important thing to remember. Um, like you said, we're taught to be pretty tight-lipped in our communities and and um, shining light on this issue is is very important. So thank you for your work doing that and, and um, continuing to, to try to get people to be a little bit more open about it. Um, what advice would you give to Gen Zers or millennials in agriculture, since this is the Millennial Ag Podcast? <laughs> I have to tell you, I kind of want to be a millennial. I have to tell you, or a Gen Zer, I am the bubble. I'm the bubble generation. Like I'm not... There are those of us that were born in the late 70s and early 80s that we don't fit in anywhere. And so I'm a little millennial-ish, but, <laughs> but I'm not really a Gen Xer either. You know? So I, I don't fit in. And so I, I do probably relate a little bit to the millennials, but I always am full of advice. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear it or not, but I... Um, do you want advice on mental health or do you want advice on agriculture careers or what are, what are you looking for? <laughs> a little bit of um, both. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, first of all, I think that the millennials and the Gen Zers are unfortunately dragged through the mud unfairly. I, I think there's a lot of good that millennials and Gen um, Zers are doing for our culture and, and making us appreciate different aspects of life. And we were raised, I was raised, a lot of us in agriculture were raised of, you just work hard and keep your mouth shut. And uh, we don't, we don't talk about um, taking all of our vacation time or uh, certainly uh, work-life balance. Like who's ever heard of that? The first time a coworker ever told me that she was taking a mental health day and just like taking a day off to just do whatever she wanted. Like my instant, this is wrong, but my instant reaction, I was in my twenties was like, oh, wow, she's kind of a slacker, you know, <laughs> that, that was the culture that we had. And so I would say she's around my age in her early forties. And it was just, we, we were taught differently. We were raised differently. You just work hard, keep your mouth shut and your reward will come later. And I think what is interesting to me in working and managing with millennials and Gen Zers is there's just a little more appreciation for things outside of work. <laughs> and uh, that, that is something that I think is beneficial. 
And I'm not at all insinuating slacker. <laughs> I'm insinuating that there is just more appreciation for other things than just nose to the grindstone all the time. And that's an interesting shift for those of us rooted in agriculture, because we can still work hard and be successful in agriculture and have quality of life with our spouse and children and family and relationships and friends and have hobbies. It's a, so I guess that's advice is to carry that on in that in the end, when, when life ends on earth, it's really the people that matter. And when I was in my twenties, I was way more concerned about what my title was on a business card than I ever needed to be. By the way, does anybody have business cards anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no. Look me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, look me up on LinkedIn. Um, anyway, but I, I think that's really, you know, I traveled a lot and I had management opportunities in my 20s and, and early 30s. And I also had children during that time. And I was able to walk away from those career opportunities. I'm so thankful for the job experience that I got. But I traveled extensively over 100 flights a year, and I spent a lot of time in hotel rooms away from the best three things that I've ever made in this world, and those are my three kids. And they're not angry and they're not dysfunctional from it, but I look back and realize that I was very career-focused, not wrong, but in the end, it actually matters more the impact that I have on my children than it does on the title on my business card, which I, so I don't even have a business card on my desk. So I don't, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't know if that's advice. I think that's great. And it just has me, you know, reflecting on, on the time of life I'm into, you know, and, and, you know, perspective, you know, everything, everything's about perspective. And I think we get in ruts too, where it is, you know, you've got deadlines, you've got people needing things, but just to reflect on, on it's okay to take a step back and go for a walk or breathe or, or, you know, and not life isn't all about chasing the career ladder. There's so much more out there. And I think that for me, that was a great reminder. I would add one more thing to that. And that is, I don't want to encourage everyone to quit their job. <laughs> we, we need a next generation in agriculture and business. We need a next generation of leadership and we need focused individuals in that. I just want people to know that you can have both. And my husband calls it a little bit of the pulling of the rope. There've been a little, it's not a tug of war. It's just, there are sometimes where he needs to pull more while I do more at home. And there are other times that I pull more and he has done more at home and less with a paycheck. And we both in our 15 years of marriage, I'll just tell you, there are times where I've been the quote breadwinner making a majority of income. And there have been other times that he's been the breadwinner making a majority of the income. We've been dual income family, but there have been different times where he stepped away from a career job to take over a family business and less guarantee there of income. So from what he was making. And so I think that's just important to know that, you know, 
care of those closest to you. And, and you can, you can absolutely have a career in agriculture and live in rural America, but it does matter what you have at home too, and take care of what you have at home. Well, I think Catherine, if you have anything else to add, but I think that was amazing place to kind of wrap up and great words of wisdom for, for everybody, not just millennial, not just the millennial generation. And we can't thank you enough for joining us today, Katie, where can listeners find you? Um, if they aren't already following you. Yes. Uh, easiest is Instagram cat pinky K A T P I N K E. And I also have a Facebook page, uh, pinky post, I originally blogged. Um, the Pinky Post was my blog for years and then was my column. I do write a weekly column. So I always share there as well. Our, our son was in an accident in 20 of nine, December of 2019. And we have a Facebook group called Pinky Strong. And a lot of people have um, connected with me there, but probably the best place is just Pinky Post on Facebook or Instagram. And I am not doing TikTok or Snapchat. <laughs> I'm, I'm on Twitter. I, I think social media advice, you got to decide where your focus is going to be. So I read Snapchat and I'm never doing TikTok because I have teen girls. And so just find me cat pinky on Twitter, or Instagram. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you again, Katie, for joining us and listeners. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the millennial ag podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email us at talk to us at millennial Until next week, we are millennial ag.